We are continuing our uh, look at midlife crisis this week. We're going to talk about glory days. The, you know, when you peak in high school, we're going to talk about young adult. Uh, I think Duff's got some Minneapolis local flavor to throw into this. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of Minnesota content uh, on screen and behind. And I shudder to think how long Joe will go talking about young adult in the online world of it. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to let Don't let me. Okay. I'm just going to make some brief comments. Okay. I, so I'm I'm coming into this fairly agnostic about YA, so I will have questions. All right. Uh, it's well. it's not so much about YA itself. It's about the it's about the online community. Oh boy, we're going to lose our Tumblr audience. Listeners, welcome to another episode of the Midnight Boys Present, a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my ranch-loving friends, Joe and Matt. <laughs> don't, don't open a new ranch until we finish the old ranch. <laughs> we'll talk about ranches later on. Oh, man. Uh, we are, you know, the midlife crisis is continuing. Uh, I mean, uh, the season, not us, of course. No. Right. No. None of us. Um, this week but, it's in this week it's in the heartland. I think that thus far we've had two kind of East Coast movies, and uh, Sideways was California. California. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We're right. We're in the we're in the Minnesota on this one. Mi- the Minneapolis. Uh yes. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get right into it. I've okay. never heard anyone. No call one's it ever that. called. So that. was that one of those that little those like a it, little annoying Diablo Codyisms? Actually, so here, this is just based off memory. I do think that there was a time in the 90s, which this draws on, uh, where a certain type of people thought it was hilarious to say that. Uh, let, let me let me put it this way. If you're the type of person who goes to New York and buys the I Heart New York t-shirt, mm-hmm. you would you would have been saying the mini apple. No one who lives here said that. So John Lennon. Um, <laughs> if he were alive, maybe. Uh, okay, so we're we're gonna discuss young adult, which I have uh, this this I have a lot of things to say about this movie. So good thing we're doing a podcast about it. Um, do we do we just jump right into the plot synopsis of Young Adult? Is that where we should start? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I got, I got takes, and I'm I'm still processing. So my take may change by the time this airs. Who knows? Okay, okay. Well, uh, Young Adult came out in 2011, which I actually think is interesting because part of the thing I find so fascinating about this movie is it's like takes place like the last year of which a lot of things technologically are going to change a lot and make a lot of this movie seem a lot older than it actually is, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was kind of the the last uh, mainstream era of blackberries is one of the big things right yeah it's yeah 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 uh so we follow uh mavis gary who is played by charlie saran and she is 37 and uh she lives in minneapolis <laughs> minneapolis the and, minneapolis <laughs> and uh she finds out that uh her ex is uh is having a child and so she goes back to her hometown to steal him away to, uh, to to ruin his family. It's a good plan. It's a solid plan. <laughs> I mean, it's a plan. 
right? I mean, you know, <laughs> I, uh, by it's that, a great by that plan, it's by, a great plan. By it's... that, lo- by that low bar, it is a plan. And you know what they say: any plan is better than no plan. That's right. right. That's right? what they say. Yep. Uh, so she's buddy, her ex buddy, played by Patrick Wilson. She's going to steal him away from his wife and like very newborn child. Um, <laughs> and uh, and she runs into an old classmate, uh, Matt who's played by Patton Oswalt, who can we just, like, Patton Oswalt and Charlie Theron are so fantastic in this movie. Oh, I yeah. Think. Uh, and Patton Oswalt, <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, but uh, I'm laughing because of how we find out. He, 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 um, he's the hate crime guy. <laughs> <laughs> it is the most pathetic story I, I, among the most pathetic stories in, in all of cinema. He was the victim of a hate crime because yeah. the jocks beat the hell out of him. Broke his they legs th- and, and his penis. penis. Yeah, yeah. And, his, and his brain. And yeah. because they thought he was gay. But then it turned out later it wasn't a hate crime because he was straight. It, uh, it is. It's so and then, funny. And then it turned out there was another kid, his cousin, who, yeah. who was also disabled. In a car accident. And... And so he like stole his thunder. Like yeah. he was, he was the popular handicapped person. So when when Mavis Charlie Theron's character meets him at the bar and they're sitting at the bar and it's only like she, you know he recognizes her and he's trying to explain who he is and she they doesn't have remember him next to each other. Yeah, he doesn't remember him. And then she's like, "Oh, oh wait, you're the you're the, you're the crime, guy. crime guy. Why and did she, she sees just say that?" Yeah. yeah. Oh man, uh, incredible! Also, this movie really goes. You know, I have the uh, the one hundred core memory theory that you only have so many core memories in your head, and you have to lose core memories to make new ones. Thank and, God. <laughs> and uh, and it like there's all these people that she meets that remember her, and she has no memory of them. Like like her or whatever she's done is in their core one hundred, and she's put no space in hers except for weird stories about Buddy. So we, in case you haven't gathered and haven't seen this, uh, just by the the logic of this plan, she is maybe one of the most reprehensible people She's I've insane. ever seen. In a I know, like just like if I she she might have shot into like my top five villains of any movie. Just she's an awful person. She is, but I kind of like her. Well. And in my part, own way. Well, we do. I mean, we do get a little. I won't say redemption, but we we learn things about her. We learn things about yeah. her, which make me feel bad about her. I will say, like, yeah. I do get. I, I have empathy for her. Uh, but she at she is an objectionable monster. It, yeah, sociopathic, insane person, alcoholic. So of course she is a ghostwriter for children's no, books. Duff, she has depression. She has depression, well, and she's an alcoholic, and she pulls her hair out. No, I mean, that that was yeah. one of many absolute laugh-out-loud moments when uh, when um, Patton Oswalt, uh, when Matt looks at her after she just takes this huge swig of bourbon or something, and <laughs> yeah. she just looks at him, deadpan, I have depression. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I laughed so hard. Oh, my God. Uh so she eventually tries to break up it's the like marriage. It's like when Wilford Brimley's like, I have diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> she tries to break up the marriage, and uh, ultimately it doesn't work. Um, 
and she ends up at this this party for the like at the for the baby the naming, naming ceremony, ceremony which jesus name your kid man i don't know uh and she so she goes to this midwestern small town like baby naming ceremony dressed like kim novak and vertigo just <laughs> a chilly hitchcock blonde look yeah 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 that's right like she's out of uh casting for basic instinct yeah <laughs> and everyone else is just wearing like sweaters and all casual and so she that's how she rolls in i mean it, she looks it, good it's, it's basically like a suburban well i don't even have to say it's suburban but okay suburban baby shower yeah yeah and, um, but she's there to display her dominance like she's just like look how good i look at this and baby it shower. turns out great <laughs> <laughs> she tries to make out with buddy uh in the baby's room uh <laughs> and he puts an end to that and then uh we and then we sort of learn more of the backstory of her which i i mean it's tough it, it is a good reveal yeah I, I i agree you know we learned that uh she had gotten pregnant with buddy's kid when she was in high school and then uh had a miscarriage when i think he was the the, the child was I think she said she was 20 son. when it happened 20 okay so shortly after high school yeah, and, and she has 12 weeks in, so in most states, she's a murderer now in and, our current uh, American hellscape. <laughs> and so she had a, a miscarriage and, uh, you know, the relationship, we don't really know why ends, but does end. And then she goes off to Minnesota. And because they're 20 and they're yeah, just dumb kids. Yeah. And she gets married and divorced. We found out she's married and divorced as well. And, uh, you know, there's some trauma she's has not dealt with, we could say. I mean, I think uh, the Patton also kicked her at one point and says, like, you need a therapist, which is true. <laughs> yeah. She does. Badly. Um, so then we get to the ending of this movie, which is uh, interesting. She she goes back to uh, Patton Oswalt, Matt's place. Uh, they have sex. She wakes up in the morning, and it seems like she's hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Maybe now is the time for change. Um, and so she's like gets up and is making coffee, and she runs into Sandra, Matt's sister, who he lives with, because Matt, uh, you know, I, he needs help. Uh, and uh, she just goes on to explain, like, how great Mavis is, and she's living this perfect life, and she, you know, she just continue doing that and doesn't need to change at all. And then off she goes with that mindset. And she's like, you're right. Yep. <laughs> I really needed that. I I thought it was just brilliant. I like it too, man. I like it too. Uh, and so that's the movie. She doesn't grow up. No. She remains the young adult she started out with. And a young adult because she is a child in a, in a grown woman's body and also because she's a YA uh, author. So here is, this is what I said, where I said I'm still processing. Because okay. initially... The scene with Patton Oswalt's sister, it it undoes, I think it undoes a lot of the goodwill I had towards this movie. Okay. Because I mean... I'm, I'm not opposed to the idea of her not learning anything and continuing to be a disaster, but I do feel like this kind of punches down at, like, middle American people. And look... I am all for punching down on them for legitimate reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, what does she say to Mavis? Um, she says, everyone here is fat and dumb. 
And then this is after she like it's obvious that like Mavis is fishing for like, do you know do you know Buddy's wife? Do you like her? And and uh the sister of Pat Oswald says it's like, no, not really. I mean, you're prettier than her. And you can just see, like, Mavis, like, just just is validated. And, and, and maybe it is supposed to show what a pathetic person she is yes. and how she'll never learn. But I do feel like this is just kind of being like, oh, all people in the heartland are just kind of fat and stupid. Which, again, I even would be somewhat okay with except that like everyone Mavis meets in this movie is pretty cool and nice. Like, yeah, uh, buddy, buddy seems nice. Buddy's wife is the one who, yeah, she, Beth seems nice as Beth. Yeah. She's in this like cool, like mom band. Um, um, Patton Oswalt is really nice to her. Like she, she runs into her parents who she was trying to avoid. They seem pretty nice. What does she say to, what does she say to that? What does she say to the woman, the other woman in the band? It's so inspiring to see a single mother with so much confidence on stage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, so I guess for me and I'm, you know, maybe I will have a different take on this tomorrow. I don't get the point. Like, I don't really get what the point is. So, Go I ahead, think Joe. the point is that, like, okay, so just imagine, like, the meanest popular kid from high school that you can remember. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's her, right? And, and the movie, I think, like, teases this idea that, um, like, this, like, l- basically a kid who is the dictionary definition of a bullied kid in high school is going to somehow magically like help her discover her heart mm-hmm. and the movie teases that and immediately is like all all this person needs to revert right back to the dark road is to is to see someone looking at her and talking uh to her like she is still like the prom and being told that she's prettier than the woman who got her boyfriend and so, superior and superior more and su- more importantly yep. superior so this is why the timing of this movie is interesting to me because like this movie feels a lot different and i, I think in um uh, i don't know if it's if i'd say it's prescient but like in, a, in the age of social media where, like, Mavis would have a very curated, incredible Instagram feed that a lot of these classmates would be following and jealous of her life. Like, that's essentially what she's done pre-social media, right? Like, she has this, I live in the city, I'm an author, I escaped, she I'm would really be, pretty. She would, she would be one of those really pathetic influencers who only has, like, 500 followers, but that's still enough where they keep going with it. I think she'd have even more than that. But the the point mm, is is I like know. I think this is like the only person that really knows her in any way outside of what she presents is is Matt or the Pat Oswalt character. No one else knows her. They just see the 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 projection that she that she sends off and the projection that she writes about in her book. Even you know, well, and and I think as soon as someone is able to just like be like no i only see that projection of you she's like oh yeah you're right i'm doing great and then she can just ignore how broken she is as a human being and continue on with this like just like sad getting, life. getting drunk every night and sleeping with random <laughs> want to get loaded yeah <laughs> she she says that a lot <laughs> she does she does yeah i mean but like 
you can also understand how, you know, without knowing any differently, Sandra thinks she's got the greatest life ever. Yeah. And that's all it takes. That's That little nudge is all it takes for Mavis to be like, yep, I'm not changing. Everyone else is wrong. I'm better than them. And off she goes. Pretty That's kind of the way I read it. And pretty cynical. But I think that while, like, that isn't exactly how I view people, like, I, I steadfastly believe, like, anyone can change. But I think, like, the movie, I, I guess, to, Duff, to speak to what you, you were saying, which I, I, I agree with to a certain extent, I don't know that it's really mean to people on the heartland, though. Like, I don't think that, like its condescension is about them being from Minnesota. I just think it's an urban versus like suburban. It, it's basically the dynamic yeah, of like it's, it's people small, that stayed small in your town hometown and people that city. left. Yeah, yeah. So this could have just as easily happened in California. Like someone who stayed the, the people who stay mm-hmm. and the people who leave. Cause she didn't move out to the coast. She moved to just the nearby big city. Yeah. It's not really, it's a fictional town and we're not really told. I would guess it's like a couple, three, four hours away. Yeah, if that. It seems it seems even closer to that. It seems like a, like a suburb. Yeah. Well, she gets a hotel. Yeah. Yeah, she, dr- it's a yeah, she, she drives. drives. I just mean, far. like, it doesn't seem... No, I don't think it's super, super far. Yeah. So, um, I, and I just think, like, I think that that's what it's mining. And I, I think it also, it, it just is, a, I think, a pretty accurate look at, like, okay, th- th- we all have to run into people like her. Like... It, it, at the, it at the one hand is an honest look at just how empty and pathetic their lives are uh, but it also refuses to grant her like an easy redemption like nothing she doesn't work at anything like yeah. her work amounts to basically getting drunk with Matt and just deciding this guy is so non-threatening that I can be honest with him mm-hmm. then humiliating herself and the next morning just being given a gentle nudge by um, another pathetic person that still idolizes her for some reason, what, uh, almost 20 years later, and she'll just go back to carrying on being a sociopath. Um, And I think that that is tough (laughs) to build a narrative around, but I think it's realistic, A, and B, I think it also gets away with it because this movie, I think, is hilarious. I thought it was oh, it's funny. it's darkly funny. It's very funny. Yeah, yeah. I I um I I really enjoyed it. Um, a movie that like okay. So here's a question: How many? Okay. Uh, do you think this movie was successful at all? Uh, no. Uh, compared to that guy's previous movies, big no. I feel like was this the first after Juno? This was the one after uh up up in the air. Oh, I bet it was moderately successful. It, uh, it only made like uh, domestically sixteen million. It, That's not a lot. No, the best week it had was uh, it was twelfth one week. Everything else is below. Like it for like a movie that like you know has a like a a good cast and a, and a lead that matters and like a director coming off like two straight not yeah, Oscar I, nominations and <laughs> like, Charlize Theron. She's she's like a matinee. You know, yeah. name above the title star. I mean, it's also 2011, which is, I think, is probably when you could, like, things really start changing in Hollywood on, like, what people are seeing. But, like, uh, I was kind of shocked to be like, wow, no one went and saw this movie in the theater. 
I remember I'd seen it. The only thing I remembered was when she flips out outside the shower. That was, okay. That was all I remembered. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it. Uh, I, I laughed a lot and, um, and I do. So you, you know, you mentioned Charlize Theron and, uh, how, you know, they have great chemistry and I think, you know, it's kind of universally acknowledged that Charlize Theron's a great actress, which I agree with, but man, I kind of wish Patton Oswalt would do more serious stuff. I know. Cause uh, you know, uh, between this and big fan, which was around the same time, He's, you know, he's really good at it. His arms are so small. I mean, I think, I think <laughs> he would. Tiny arms. I don't. I think he would agree with me saying he's just a little troll man. He's like he's he's. I I love Patton Oswalt, but he moves his little arms around, and I'm like, look at those little arms. Yeah, <laughs> those little arms on that guy. I I think he is still acting in movies like this. I ju- I just think that they don't seem to like really get passed out of the festival circuit into like that could be wide it. distribution because like i've read about a like i'll read like festival bios of like or descriptions of, of a couple movies he's been in they sound kind of like this like darkly funny but they just don't seem to like find an audience at all and then yeah. of course like he also mixes in you know voice acting and live tv and yeah justified and stuff but yeah, yeah. but yeah so but you're right like he is really 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 good in this movie yeah yeah he is every scene with him and charlie Theron is just dynamite i would yeah uh, so like one of those movies where i'm like are there deleted scenes between those two that i would i would like be interested in seeing i will say before we get into midlife crisis stuff I, we yeah. had mentioned how funny this movie is i will also like without you know getting into details will say that this has the funniest drunk driving moment i think i've ever seen in a film in the parking where she, lot where she pulls into her hotel yes i died laughing <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do i also like the little things like her waking up and just drinking like two diet coke just, out of a just just diet. yeah like I, I actually that's another point in this uh movie's favor is i think it is a really um it, it pretty accurately portrays uh like functional alcoholism yes um, yeah, just like these just little things about and, and just also the way like a really selfish person like interacts with their dog too. that poor dog. Yeah, I know. It's like she obviously clearly really loves her dog, but also is so self-absorbed that she is not willing to really sacrifice anything for her dog. She'll just leave it alone in a hotel room for overnight. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I definitely have met people like that before. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah, let's get into midlife crisis. Yeah, so like th- I called this one glory days mm-hmm. uh, because I think that's a p- particular kind of like midlife crisis person, and the person who, like, it's the Al Bundy loser, like the you know where they have like a four four touchdowns in a football store in a football game story or something like that, and that's yeah. all they can ever talk about. Yeah, and and she sort of just thinks like her life. Well, she doesn't sort of think it. She absolutely thinks my life would be perfect if I had stayed together with my high school boyfriend. Yes. Which mm-hmm. is almost she's 37. too for words. So she's 37. I like, say, she's not 23 thinking this. I was going to say, I will say that that is a maybe not healthy, but very, very common thing. And then you turn 22. <laughs> like, 
and right. I'm being generous there. Like that to be 37 and in that mentality, boy, that's that's something. And I know that I and sadly, I mean, we know these people are out there. Well, yeah, and and there's other movies like this to to some extent too, where people like reach this point of existential crisis. So they like High Fidelity, for example, where they they then look back at their past failed relationships to try to like figure out where everything went wrong with themselves i guess right and and i think that movie is interesting to pair with this one because it also i think is about the the failure of memory and how um sort of the way we view the past becomes so distorted and when you become face to face with it ideally that should be like with the truth of it i guess and that usually requires you to have another person's point of view be presented to you. And I guess that's obviously the whole point of high fidelity. But in this movie, I don't think like she is just completely unable to own up to it in an authentic way until she's just so humiliated and ashamed that she completely blows up and can't help, but be, but face it. And even then she turns away from it eight hours later. Right. 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 And, and the thing about her is she, you know, like I said, on paper is doing fine, right? I mean, she has, lives in Minneapolis. She's got her apartment. She's makes decent with the, money with, with she's, the broad you know, strokes. Yes, right. The problem is internally, she is a deeply sad and broken person with a lot of trauma that needs to be unpacked. She, she doesn't have good habits. As well. No, <laughs> she so, so, as three people who, I and before we move on, I do think that this movie gets a lot of details really, really well. Uh, does them really really well just in terms of kind of city versus small town life but it's obvious and we'll get to this in a little while uh diablo cody she lived that loser life like that just kind of uh what am i doing with myself life right also like when you're a kid with an adult uh checkbook right yeah that kind of feels when there's no when there's no guardrails yeah and i think it also captures the the way and I don't know if this is exactly supposed to be like rural life or like sort of ex-urban life or something, but the way that those communities, like what those communities really are, because most movies I think will try to portray those kinds of communities as like having like your old traditional main street. And like, there's all these small businesses owned by locals and stuff. And in this movie, aside from like Woody's where she first meets Matt, it seems yeah. like every place they go is at best a local chain. Yes. And whenever she's driving through that place, it's all chains. Just it it's basically yeah. like the four lane like uh road that uh comes off of the freeway exit and it's just two miles of like Yeah, it's just Target sta- Staples Chili's. Macy's yeah. and of yeah. course of course the Katako Hut. Yeah. <laughs> Good and that about. is actually, if you drive around like rural Wisconsin, that is what all of those like small oh, those... to medium sized towns are actually like. It's just filled with places like that. Yeah, not I... all of them, but I guess many of them. I, most of them, yes. They just kind of tore down their historic buildings or never had them to begin with. Um, I was gonna say that this. I don't know if she had a city in mind to base this off of, but this feels like Saint Cloud. Uh, 
except that St. Cloud literally is like the most hateful place on earth. They have a <laughs> lot of they have a lot of problem with Nazis. And this was before Nazis were like mainstream again. This is like <laughs> they were a Nazi before before Trump. Yeah, it feels made like it cool. yeah. feels like Mankato or something like that. Oh, Mankato. That's like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like the, you, I haven't so, been to these places, but I just love how Mad Duff is. Cause the, you these, could, those two towns are the worst cities in Minnesota because they're like big enough that people, like people, will still commute to the cities. Yeah, but, to go. Oh, to, for, to work in the cities, you mean? Or, yeah, I knew okay. a woman who would drive from St. Cloud, which in traffic is probably like an hour and a half one way, and so like you get you get kind of the worst of both worlds is like. Because you get, or it's just people like think that they're country, but they're driving in to, you know, work in the city and they love, like, they'll also have like a really small college and they'll love the economic benefits of that, but not, you know, the lower class people of color who go to college. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. But yeah, Mankato, St. Cloud, just nuke those places. (laughs) They are awful. So, just to try to get in, in Mavis's head a little bit, okay. um, and and not so Mavis, I think is a curious case because I think in some ways she's very like stuck in the past in the way that she thinks everything was like basically largely about Buddy, right? That if I could mm-hmm. go back and I could get him, it would be great. But then at the same time, utterly loathes that community and feels uh, completely superior to it. Yes. Right. Um, yep. I f- that's a there's a strange tension there, um, and I was wondering if you guys, it, it's that type of person. Like, d- do you feel like you've met that type of person before? That simultaneously seems to be unable to get past it. It seems okay. This I, I'm having trouble articulating myself, but this seems like the most normal, like, I guess to me outlook maybe should have is she simply doesn't think about mercury anymore right right she's sort of like just burn the past is what you think she would do but instead she wants to burn it except for the guy she wants she a wants to get her high school boyfriend back and b she wants everyone to know how great she's doing and looks i mean she doesn't even see her family until her mom runs into her (laughs) driving around you know what i mean like she is only there to see buddy so what's going on there exactly for her at this stage of life like how would you guys explain that this this seeming conflict that she desperately needs like the validation of buddy and whoever else she runs into there that she is better than them and that they wish that they were her but then also hating that place and everyone in it Um, that seems like a kind of common like thing but i can't quite like, where do you think it comes from? I think for her, it comes from, like, she was, you know, on she was the most popular girl in school and, you know, probably was f- doing fine. Like, she, you know, she has a career. Like, she's not stupid. But uh, I should then, say, we haven't really touched on this, but it doesn't seem like her writing career is actually heading in a great direction. It's not heading – well, the, the, the series she writes for is – is ending now, right? And so her like, name isn't even next? on the cover of these books. True, she, but it's I mean, just, it's yeah. true. But she's like makes decent money. Seems like these are, it seems like these are the equivalent of like Sweet Valley High or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, Let me also point out, and this is a little thing, but when she decides to go back, 
because she finds out that Buddy had a baby and they're doing something, right? Yeah. This baby thing. She meets a friend, and the yeah. friend is a friend from high school. Yeah, is. that is true. true. Yeah. I mean, but I think, I mean, I think, like, what, you you have all the reasons to hate her as she does everything she does in this movie. But I do feel like at the end when we have, like, her big monologue on the, on the you know, outside on the lawn at the, at the naming ceremony, like, you do sort of see the seeds of where that happened, right? Things are going well. She's with her man that she wants to be with. She's pregnant. Miscarriage happened. She even says something about, like, you know, her body you know, failing her there. And then I think from then on, everything just spins off and she never really dealt with that. Right. So she just, that, that speaks to a tremendous, like not to like, that's a terrible thing that happened to her, but terrible things happen to all kinds of many, 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 the vast majority of people. Yes. And she just is unable to move past that. She is. She is. Cause I, cause I, you know, and I don't, I'm get you know, she's 20 and, she never dealt with conflict before or anything hard, probably. And doesn't that, seem like it. That happened, and you know, she's just stuck as a twenty-year-old forever. So, how would you compare her to that to the protagonist from last week's movie in The Swimmer, Burt Lancaster? Yeah. <laughs> um, I I think there's similarities here. Like they're both like reckoning with the past at different stages true. of their life. Like she's up entering into middle age and he's kind of exiting middle age but i think they're both delusional in similar ways he is not yeah yeah i think that's fair i don't think he is quite as self-destructive no well we don't really know though do we because that movie's more like kind of like a nightmare fantasy right yeah we never really get details about why everything is screwed up yeah that's true um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, I think they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, they are, they are dealing with their past. There's this thing about going home with both of them as well, right? I mean, he's going to the house, he but you know, she's going back home as well. Yeah. Um, there's sort of, I think the difference is in the swimmer, Burt Lancaster character is seeing every, he's seeing himself through the eyes of other people. Shh. And this, I don't think Mavis is capable of doing that. No. Yeah. So she's not like getting that reflection back to be like, oh, <laughs> these people, these people think this way of me. And like you said, she does for like eight hours, and then she's like, bah, <laughs> <laughs> bah, it's fine. I think I'm doing good. I'm going, going back to to Minneapolis. It'll Do what you know. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm gonna finish this book. It's gonna be great. And my, you know, I, it'll I, work out. I also like how she has to lift dialogue for the book from just teens and young people she overhears at staples yes (laughs) yes yes i love that too what's our takeaway from from this movie just like if we're if we're putting the season together as almost like a um an exploration of the phenomenon of the midlife crisis like what obviously we there's nothing we could tell mavis to fix her like she needs more help than we could give her Obviously, I, guess, right? I, I guess the lesson is for some people there is no bottom <laughs> yeah i was thinking like not everyone learns from the midlife crisis like, even <laughs> even when you are literally you know kind of stripped to being naked and exposed and you know dealing with a drunken tirade you went on if that's not enough to you know make you actually fix some things boy yeah, 
Some people don't learn. Yeah, and I guess it's also just maybe the really ugly midlife crises come from people that um, never... I, I, I don't know quite how to phrase it. It just sort of seems like our characters that are at their ugliest out of the movies that we've talked about are the people who um, did one good thing when they were younger and don't think and think that that's it. Yeah. I think there's also maybe something also about like, we don't, you know, I think of like Sandra's point of view at the end of her view of Mavis. Like we don't really know what everyone's going through. Right. Cause she's just like, you're doing great. You live in Minneapolis and you've got it. Right. She has no idea. Like she should, she should because she keeps coming over to hang out with her brother getting hammered at his homemade distillery every yeah. night. <laughs> but, <laughs> which does look fun. I would do a night of that. Let me oh, be clear. Yeah. Um, it, but it, I guess it's also about just the superficiality yes. of that of what we see in people outside of our closest friends and family. Outside of what they're actually – because she's so she, – she's pulling her hair out. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Literally pulling her hair out. She's a, she's depressed. She's an alcoholic. Uh, she's there's a lot there's a lot of stuff going on that she is not handling in any way. And so I guess since she is so fixated on this this relationship from high school uh, that that she has completely like twisted around into being this perfect thing. What is the appropriate relationship we should have with our like high school selves? I it seems to me that the only appropriate one is shame <laughs> i i was gonna i would just yeah i you know like like kylo ren says like you know bury the past like i shame and embarrassments and you know not totally but i think to forget i think you have to forgive yourself for like I, yeah so i mean I, so, you should look back at your high school years and be like i would have done that differently yeah i tried no I, I mean i'm not trying to be you know, but like inadvertently or overtly negative, like to do have like positive things. But you know, I have any of you gone to a reunion for your no, high school? I have absolutely not. not. I and I went to my ten year one because two of my two friends from high school, who uh, one of whom moved very very far away, uh, and one I just barely ever saw. Uh, they were going, and I was like, well, I really, really want to see them. I can tell you, um, I didn't have a great time. <laughs> uh, I had a great time with them after the reunion. That was right, a right. great night. That was really fun. Yeah, just but the reunion the, itself, I, will, I would never go to another The party. idea of the reunion. So here's here's why it's kind of odd to me, or why it's not appealing. It's because, to your point about when you look back in high school and you have you know, to some degree, just, you know, oh, I, everyone wishes they knew then what they know now, but mix mixture of kind of, uh, shame or whatever, like to intentionally just want to kind of like celebrate that for an evening with people you haven't seen. Like it's, I don't know. It's a weird phenomenon to me. And I feel like it's going, especially in the social media age, I feel like it's going to be a fading thing. Oh, I think so for sure. Because if you want to take it to someone, you can do it now, right? And I, I, don't, I, I don't think there's been another one since that. Or if if there was, I just didn't find out. Yeah, about it. and I do think partially that uh, 
television made by people you know way older than their target demo just convince people that high school reunions are supposed to be magical and it might just be one of those hollywood creations that that might be actually what what captures her psychology the best it's high school reunion mindset yeah yeah i still need to impress these people and that's weird (laughs) that's really weird to me but i think it's a real thing though oh it's definitely a real thing like i i'm going to show these these random collection of people that i only know because we happen to grow up in the same place the from that i uh you know was stuck in a building with for four years that i i want them to be jealous of the life i have right very very weird yeah but i think uh also pretty common it's a shame Uh, I'd say the appropriate uh, way to think about high school is, yeah, I guess to sum it up, just think back and be like, nah, I tried my best uh, and I've got other things going on now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, boy, that was dumb. Oh, well. (laughs) Yep. So this is movies written by Diablo Cody. Uh, yes. uh, a Minneapolis native, right? Minnesota or no? I don't know. I don't know if she was born here. Okay. Um, Yeah. She, but uh, prior to, I can check quick. Uh, she pri- was born in Illinois. Oh, okay. Mid so Midwest girl. Yeah, that's. Uh, so obviously her big breakthrough was Juno, uh, which I haven't seen that since it was in theaters, and I know there's some really quirky, dumb stuff in that, but maybe it's good. I don't know. That's a movie that I liked when I saw it, and I'm afraid to revisit it. Yeah. Now and I, be like, yeah, I have good memories. I don't need to go back and like not like it. Yeah, I've I, never seen it. Um, so prior to that, she was, uh, she was a sex worker. Um, she did, uh, she was a phone sex worker and she worked at, I, this would have been early aughts, Twin Cities, Minneapolis. I think it was called like the Skyway Lounge or the Skyway Bar. So or it was, it was like a, you know, it was a, a, a peep show place. Like it was okay. kind of like the last vestige of those types of places i'm pretty sure it's gone now um but what what she did during this is she started um you know this was the era of blogs and she Mm -hmm. had a blog and it got she got a lot of press uh and she ended up writing for the city pages which is kind of the uh twin cities version of the village voice and well like the village voice it could not survive covid so Mm -hmm. r.i.p city pages um but I mean, to anyone, you know, kind of Gen X, elder millennial, City Pages was a big deal. And that was still when it was on every corner. And she wrote a, a blog. Uh, sorry, Rob, I know you like to keep this family friendly, but it was called The Pussy Ranch. Okay, yeah. Buck cats. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot of sex talk, but there was some, like, celebrity, you know, like, she was kind of doing the whole, like, talking about TV shows, like, back when that was, like, really new and novel when like Alan Siepelwall was inventing that type okay. of thing. Uh, so yeah, and I, it's kind of weird because it, that was kind of a huge blog and it's kind of just been swept away from the internet. I found some internet archive stuff, but it was just really interesting how she's like the one person to become a, a really big, famous Oscar winning, right? Writer. Uh, to just have kind of a local blog. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Uh, 
there's you know most of it is not very clean but i did find one anecdote that i think is appropriate that made me laugh a lot um she was talking about when she was a uh uh, working at a sex phone line she said yesterday a man paid so oh sorry this was actually um i don't know if she was an escort or something i'm not saying all these things are the same but she's she's lived a life let's say that and she's not coy about that either like that's part of her identity right um she said yesterday a man paid me to punch him repeatedly in the stomach for 10 straight minutes oh my god he explained that an incident during his childhood had spawned the fetish and told me to punch him as hard as i could so i did i've never slugged anyone before and i must admit it felt good Wow, ten minutes. That's a lot of That's a long time. That's a long time taking punches <laughs> in your stomach. Uh, you know, I maybe maybe I'll have to check out the book she wrote. Oh, that's right, yeah. And I don't remember if that was it was right before Juno or right around it. it. Yeah, around around the same time. Um Yeah. So I just posted we can put this up. It's not safe for work. Uh, okay but it's uh yeah pussy ranch. blog spot remember yeah pussy ranch.blogspot.com was was the uh the url and now it's only existing through the internet archive as far as i know speaking of punches in the stomach mm-hmm. joe do you want to talk about the online world of young adult literature now <laughs> we're, we're the three of us we're web heads is that fair to say we spend a little bit of time online, maybe not as much as we used to, but between the three Ter- of us, terminally online. Is... Between the three of us, we've had we've, maybe we've scoured gone the phases where we went to supreme. Seen more dirty. things than we needed to. Seen more oh. things than we needed to. Yeah, and I don't even just mean the darkness. Like, like we also uh, we <laughs> I don't not always, but there there's periods in my life where I enjoy logging on. Yeah. Right. So I guess what I'm where I'm going here is like, do you guys feel like you have a pretty good sense of like online communities? Like, like I guess have you been? Do you feel like you've ever been a part of one? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wh- what if I was to tell you that the online community of young adult literature is maybe the most toxic one I've ever seen in my entire life? Would that I surprise you? It would not surprise me. So here's my first question. Is it actually young adults or is it... No. I was going to say, is it a bunch of Mavises who are arrested development uh, young adults? It is adults who write it and or adults who read it. This has nothing to do with teenagers whatsoever. Okay. 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 Um, Have either of you ever had this dark part of the internet like no dip into your timeline no i have not i don't think so i don't know if i've ever seen angrier people than you get if you have the temerity to do one of two things okay one say something along the lines that young adult literature is for young adults okay Mm -hmm. or um, I think if, I, I seem to recall A.O. Scott, the New York Times film critic, uh, former film critic at the New York Times. Oh, he is. Uh, I don't, um, yeah. anyway, uh, I remember years ago, he, I think he said something to the extent of, uh, uh, you know, Hey, why don't you grow up and read stuff for adults? And he, they came for him like locusts on a field. I, <laughs> I, I remember that. It's, <laughs> it's insane. And, and, um, 
but also to push back because it's inevitable like this something like this i hate the term goes viral it, it, it do you feel old when you say that like that something went viral yeah I, I like yeah. i'm assuming that no one under the age of like 37 uses that term anymore but anyways like it, it it's it's like when companies talk about cyber monday like chum for the the young adult lit world is um either a lot of it will just be like some writer of young adult lit will just write a thread about how you know the 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 canon is bad and none of those books should be taught in schools and then someone will make the mistake of gently pushing back that like oh well like maybe books like the great gatsby when complemented with other books that are you know more representative of our diverse body of readers out there um is fine don't do that guys <laughs> no so it it is um basically people who love to adults who love to read young adult literature but also want everyone else in the world to say that that's fine and good and normal and that their reading habits are it, it is utter it is completely the same thing as reading anything else uh i don't feel like i'm articulating myself no i, un- well, I understand partly because i'm afraid of them yeah i mean what it doesn't sound like what you're saying is that far off from the like superhero movie people yes yeah it's the same exact mindset so right. let me give it's you like i like this and i should never be judged for liking it and it's as good as anything else ever made and, you're and, like, and, okay. and i think a good th- this was about one i one i saw recently and this was about movies but they, there was that story that came out about how dune 2 has like exclusive like deal to have imax screens for like three weeks after it comes out okay that's mm-hmm. part of its distribution deal and the marvel's I think comes out a week or two after Dune 2. And someone was like, I can't believe this movie that trades in like uh, Middle Eastern tropes get has all these IMAX screens while a movie starring three women directed by a person of color um, doesn't. And it's like, what a strange way to think about art. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's that same kind of mindset. And so I'm just going to read a couple things here to you guys. Oh, yes. This um, is the good stuff. I'm I have the, I I'm I'm already galaxy braining. Like the this just activated like yeah. pleasure centers in my brain. I, I know this is this is what you would call the good stuff duff uh, mm-hmm. without swearing. Um so I see these things on Twitter from time to time because I do follow a lot of people that either A are writers of good books or B are avid readers and I love to follow them because I get good recommendations from them and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And because of that, I will my eyes will be forced to look into the abyss because inevitably, like I'd say once a month or something, they'll retweet something into my timeline that I just cannot believe. And uh, so I don't obviously like screenshot them because I'm not a psycho. But I did head over to Reddit here to the young adult lit community and just search by like their top posts. And fortunately, a lot of them are just like reposts of tweets. Mm-hmm. So here's one for you. Um, the the Reddit post, the subject is nothing wrong with teenagers reading adult books and nothing wrong with adults reading young adult books. Um, I will say that that is true unless you are an adult and all you read is young adult books. Yes. Then I'm going to say there's something wrong with you. Yes, you, And you. that is exactly what would drive these people absolutely insane. 
So here's the tweet that they um, quote that they screenshotted here. Um, Stop shaming people for reading kids books. Adult books are about sad people having affairs while kids books have a magic treehouse or a worm driving an apple. You tell me who's winning. Are they um, confusing young adult with like learning to read books? Like, yeah, I, <laughs> like <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um and this this I think also speaks to like and god, I actually I kind of hope this this show eventually finds its way into young adult lit online because everyone will get so mad that it'll be good promotion for our show um my problem isn't that my favorite characters aren't real it's that i'm not fictional i don't want them to be real what i desperately wish is that i could be fictional with them it's not that i want them here with me in this mundane and ordinary world it's that i want to join them in an extraordinary one so here's what i'll say i think that that's sad deeply sad yeah but also like I empathize with it because I've felt that way sometimes. And we've all been like, God, I you, wish I could you're, just... you're in a good book, that's kind of the fun of it, right? Sure. You're, and, uh, you know. I'll just say that if these fictional characters you're talking about all run around with magic wands, <laughs> you're a loser. Um, scrolling through here. Uh, do you, so do you guys kind of see the mindset that I'm talking about here? I yeah, I, I know. Ex- I've seen these. I, I don't have any vivid examples in my head but i i know exactly what you're talking about like and i think that this is like this is obviously good but there there's a lot more books out there that speak to i guess that's always been a part of young adult lit is like creating these stories um centered around characters that don't fit in and young people like really relate to that and i I think it's wonderful to have stories like that um and I, i just think that now a lot of these books are um, like they're much better like um, about having characters that are like more diverse um, that aren't all like straight white people, you know? Um, So a lot of books seem to just tell stories of characters with identities that didn't used to pop up in literature like that. So your, your main, uh, I I think your main gripe is more about, uh, people who are too invested in a genre that they that is not for them yeah i i find like adults who are that only read young adult lit and want everyone to tell them that that's okay is i think very odd and i think um if you i and as a warning to our listeners and to the two of you if you ever try to tangle with them online you are going to get piled on uh, with a vengeance that rivals, I think, any other like oh, they're fan they're community. they're terrifying. They're like the Swifties or the the Bayhive or the like K pop stands. Yeah, it's, but almost scarier because like what it's do a middle aged dude. Yeah, what do you say to like a thirty eight year old that's mad at you because you're like it? It's it's the, a sign of like kind of a sad case of Arrested Development if that's all you read. And then a 38-year-old, like, comes back at you with an army of other people between the ages of 25 and 40 and just try to bury you, like, it's, I th- I, it's sad. So I'm I, – I, I agree with with you. I, I, right. I, I guess what I would just say is just it's, it's one of many groups where it's like, you won. Yeah. Like, you got everything you wanted and you're still mad. Like – Young adult lit- literature is just like this vibrant 
it seems it's like so one of the few ways you could now. still make money writing. Right, that's is, a good point. Is selling those books or like the superhero stands? It's like y- you got everything you want, and you're still miserable because, like, you can't just enjoy the things that you enjoy. You you need everyone to like tell you that it's to validate it for you and tell you that it's the same as somebody who, uh, <laughs> like, is spending their time like digging into Russian literature. It's like, sorry, it's not the same thing. It's like back to young adult. You can live it. You can live in the town you grew up in. That's fine, as long as you're happy doing it. That's okay. You don't need everyone telling you that you did the right thing. Um, yeah, and <laughs> it's like you, you can live to. You can move to Minneapolis. You can move to the big city. You're allowed to do that. You don't need everyone telling you you did the right thing. You just did it because you wanted to do it. Hopefully, you just do like the thing you like. I, I yeah. guess. Okay, so Brandy Jensen, who I think has a lot of followers on on Twitter, like she. This uh, to to put a cap on this, like someone asked, her, like posed the question, like why is it the worst community of people online? Like, what's the psychology behind it? And uh, Randy put it this way: They feel dismissed by literary litfic or literary fiction, which gives them a besieged nerd-like disposition, but with the moral righteousness of anyone thinking of the children, all in services of the representational politics of Tumblr. Like, hmm. I think that's pretty good. And then someone followed that up with, with something that I think sums it up maybe even better. They're the gamers of readers. Oh, yeah. That's good. There we go. That, that I think, kind of sums it up, right? Yeah. So, everyone out there, um, careful. Just be safe out there. Don't say anything mean about the vampire books. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, guys, next week we have a diff- we're, we're different route different route for our final one. Oh yeah this should be a fun one um what if the <laughs> i'm, it was the I'm actors scared thems- scared to rewatch it what if the actors themselves were having a midlife crisis mm-hmm. they may possibly have been so we are going to talk about bad boys for life the top movie of 2020 <laughs> yeah that's uh i've never seen it i've seen I either the first two on uh apparently compared to everything else in 2020 this is what the most people saw yeah, yep. well, we we did an episode on Bad Boys 2, I believe. Bad Boys. Or I the think. original. I think it was the original. Shows shows how dear a place it has <laughs> in my no mind. Of that. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, also, listeners, if you want more, we have, we're have we going to have an episode on City Slickers on our Patreon dealing with midlife crisis. Bonus content. And Tons that's, of other stuff. So City Slickers is what I was thinking of when I said I was scared to revisit. I ah, forgot that that was the Patreon. Right. City Slickers was a big family movie for us in our house, and I'm curious to see how that feels now. Right. See how... We're 30 back. years down the road. Yep. But Bad Boys for Life is next week, but if you want to listen to City Slickers, you can go to patreon.com slash themidnightboys. $2 and get access to all of our episodes we've done in the past for our monthly ones, our paid podcast. And we're going to end our – hey, next week, we're going to end our midlife crisis season. What are you talking we're, about? End it? Yeah. We didn't, we're not having one. We're talking about other Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, but if, but if we did, like, our, we're ending our season of it. We're yes. not having one. We've already gone through that. We're all doing great. Everything's here. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> we're all fine. We're all fine here. <laughs> all right, listeners. We'll be back next week.